Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Um, one of my intentions with this podcast has been to bring just fabulous women together, um, experts in the space that can help women who are going through their own journey of divorce, as well as sharing stories of the you know most positive divorce experiences that we can find. So today in that first group is somebody who I think will be really, really helpful to our listeners is a domestic violence survivor, coach, and guide, Holly Carruthers. Now, Holly, I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast. I am a domestic violence survivor myself, but I don't like to coach people in this space very much because I feel wholly unqualified. I I feel like my survival was accidental rather than intentional. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about not only your experience of surviving, but how did you create a system that you can help people guide through it? Because that's just, you know, it's fascinating to me and obviously worthy work. Yes. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it from my heart. Um, and it's, it's such a big question. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can chunk it down. No, <laughs> that's okay. Cool. And uh, it's, but it's an important question. So, You know, for me, I had a personal development background. I know a lot of women don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I was already looking for answers and I was already uh, trying to find my way before I even left. Yes, I was looking for things in different areas of my life. So I was looking at finances and money and I was looking at, you know, um, ways to make stronger, better relationships. But all of that is still personal development. Um, And so I really, I feel like sometimes when I look back, I feel like my path was completely accidental but completely designed. Mm. Um, The biggest thing for me was I just knew I wanted more. I just knew I wanted better. And I just knew that I was never going back to that situation. Like I just felt like a shell of myself when I left. and. The biggest thing for me was, okay, how do I get back to being me again? And that kind of led me on this, I suppose you'd call it a spiritual journey in some respects, um, to go down that path of just, okay, so who is Holly? What what is Holly like? What does Holly want to do? Um, if, If I could do anything, what would it be? You know, what do I value most of all in this whole entire world? Uh, what lights me up? What excites me? Um, what doesn't, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, what doesn't light me up? What doesn't excite me? What things do I need to let go of? And it, so it just became this holistic look at, okay, so I've been through this really crappy thing and I yeah. know I really do not ever want to experience that again because it hurt and it sucked and I didn't like it. <laughs> um, 
So what do I want then? I do so much of that work with my clients too because regardless of how the relationship ends, nobody gets married with the intention of having a divorce right no nobody's aiming for that that's not on vision boards it's not on you know our life's purpose can't wait to marry someone and then destroy my life splitting it up no it's just not something we all desire so there's grief in the end of every relationship and there's that rediscovery of who we are what's important how do we want to spend our time it's you know repainting from a blank canvas which can be Mm. so intimidating um but from from a domestic violence situation there's just more of an urgency to it isn't there it's one thing to choose to end a relationship or even when it's forced upon you but if you're the violent a victim of domestic violence the urgency is in obviously finding safety security and then yeah. functioning again yeah and that's and i found that 12 months after leaving the hardest I didn't like I felt safe but I didn't feel safe Mm -hmm. I didn't trust anyone else but I barely trusted myself I'd kind of been going through the grieving process already so it ended up that he and I were living in separate bedrooms in the same house for a few months before I actually got to leave so it kind of like was like I grieved before I left Um, yeah yeah and and I think that's true a lot of women are emotionally spent they're emotionally done they're emotionally over the relationship long before they leave the relationship whether but just for those listening who feel like they've done the grieving already it still swings back around and smacks you in the face like it's absolutely always an extra layer to be to be worked on um just I think it's an important caveat at this point like we're only a few minutes in I just want to highlight that um if you are in a situation if you're listening to this you're in a situation of domestic violence please seek help immediately Holly had some excellent resources on her website um you know listening to this podcast is a guide for having already secured your own safety and that of your family please don't you know use this as your resource for getting out no so let's sorry come back I didn't mean to interrupt Holly I should have said that before we even came into the conversation but we should have but that's okay you know um and it is is a big distinction there are a lot of charities there are a lot of organizations that work with women to safely leave a -hmm. domestic violence relationship there are so many of them the point at which I want to capture a woman's attention is after she's back on her feet and she goes but is this all there is to life like is just getting up and going to work or looking after my kids or surviving or just putting one foot in front of the other all there is to life and my biggest Oh, dream and wish is that women realize you can have so much more and that what you've been through does not ever have to define what the future looks like for you. Absolutely. The, the future can be so much brighter than it ever was. And the biggest reasoning for that is that you've lost that person that was tying you down, holding you down, trying to keep you playing small in life, trying to keep you confined or controlled and trying to keep you within a very small box of 
who you are or who they want you to be. Whereas when you leave, you've got you've just literally opened the door to possibility, which is incredibly overwhelming. Um, and but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take the risks to go looking for those things that will light you up again. Let me ask you, just as you're talking about that, um, thinking through the evolution or the journey from victim to empowerment, and you mentioned yeah. about leaving the constraints behind, but is, is it a separate journey, a separate process to also leave that label behind of victim? or survivor Absolutely. even yes yeah so it's one because journey you kind to of get yeah. out and and mm -hmm. so you i think often i think of um let's say we hold on to beliefs and sometimes those beliefs serve us very well and sometimes yeah. they hold us back right and it's yes. it's great to acknowledge those beliefs that are no longer serving us recognizing it seeing it for what it is and putting it down and saying thank you I don't need you anymore yeah. and I can see those two things being quite separate here one which is thank you I don't need you as a partner anymore you don't serve me you don't serve my purpose in life and the constraints that you're putting on me and our relationship are no longer serving you know what I need so that's yeah. one thing but then the second thing is putting down that I am a defined by surviving this situation and I'm defined by the experience I've been through we can also put that down and I just wondered if you if you feel the same way do you agree that they're two separate beliefs to put down they are because you it's like nothing is linear mm. <laughs> you know it's like that meme you come across on Facebook where they're like, you know, you think growing something is like a straight up line and really it's just mm -hmm. a squeal that's all over the place. Mm -hmm. And people think that any kind of healing work you ever do has some kind of end goal. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to hit this point and everything's going to be fine. And it's not. It's kind of like peeling an onion. Yeah, like I said, yeah. <laughs> you take off one layer and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Yep. No, I've let that stuff go. I've let that person go. Oh, smack, it's uh, back. Oh, no. Yeah. And then it's like hitting you in that. the face but yeah. in a different way. Yes. At a different level, at a different depth perhaps. Like yeah. it feels slightly different but it's the same thing. And so you've got to continuously be like, okay, no, that's a thought, that's a pattern, that's a belief that he instilled in me. Mm. That's not something I'm okay with carrying around with me anymore. That's mm. not mine. I'm putting it down. And there's layers and layers of that that combines with, okay, but I'm not defined by the fact that I survived this relationship. No. I'm not defined by the fact that getting out makes me incredibly lucky I'm not defined by the fact that I actually wake up in the morning and I don't feel panicked mm. there's so many little nuances to your everyday life and how much it changes that you sometimes like get in the middle of something and you're just like oh my god enough stop stop throwing things at me I've had enough <laughs> I don't want to do the work anymore 
And other times you wake up and you're like, I don't have any problems. Yeah. The world's so yeah. rosy and it's sunshiny and it's beautiful. Um, and then you lull yourself into that false sense of security of thinking, I don't have to do any more healing work. I'm fine. And then it hits you in the face, another layer, it just comes along and you're like, oh, God, really? Yeah, and that's where our work comes in, isn't it? It's yes. helping people create those strategies, those tools yes. to know that, you know, to be able to anticipate that these things are going to come back around and to have the tools and strategies to survive through them, to build your own resilience, to suffer less and less each time. So you mentioned about beliefs. um, The phrase you used was the beliefs he instilled in you, instilled in, you know, the, the person at the time. I wonder if some of that, do you ever go deeper into where, where did this originate from? Did did we have some seed of a belief in that already and that they just watered it because it came from something else? Yeah. Yep. I have, I mean, I've discovered over time, over the years that there were beliefs like that. More so recently, I've really seen how much, I picked up from watching my parents and my grandparents and, okay, they were not. Busy films. Yeah. We get such strange I was so busy looking for Prince Charming. I didn't see that he was just a frog. (laughs) Sounds like he was nastier Um, than a frog. Oh, a bit of a toad, I guess, yeah. Poisoned Um, somehow, yeah. Awful. You know, it was was one of those situations where you're – younger you're naive you are seeing what you want to see Mm. and then you grow up and you realize he's just showing me the person I wanted to believe that he is or the person I see him capable of being and some of that does go back further some of it will go back to your childhood some of it will go back to the patterning that you saw your parents or your grandparents or a family friend play out yeah um some of it will come up from the era in which you were raised, the kind of books that were popular, the kind of movies that were popular, um, you'll all of a sudden realise, well, you know, I really wanted the Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. And that's okay too, right? There's room for that. We're we're allowed to want that. So then we acknowledge that the beliefs have come from somewhere, we can see where they've come from, but it still aligns with the values and desires and dreams that we have. Not that I'm just mindlessly following the goals that were set out in front of me. Like, that's right. I I love that there needs to be space for, I think I read recently that they're remaking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and I don't know, just like a very, very PC version of it. And there were these two very beautiful, articulate women talking about this remake and saying, look, while it's great to remake these programs and change the narrative to represent more powerful women and blah, 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 it's also okay for some of them to be left alone because it's okay that we don't rewrite all of them. You know, we can desire to have a Prince Charming who's going to be a wonderful man who supports us and loves us and loves our children and is gentle and it is happily ever after, so yes. long as we know that it's work for everybody involved, really. <laughs> it's like the happily ever after is is a journey. It's not, a you know, it's not the end of the aisle. No, it's not. But I think also you have to let go of those perceptions and those beliefs that 
kind of hold you back from really having what you want. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we think that life is as simple as a fairy tale and they get to the the wedding part and then they live happily ever after without ever having a disagreement or an mm-hmm. argument. Or, yeah, they never talk about money or yeah. sex or <laughs> like parenting ever. <laughs> no, and and that's not reality. And so often when we're younger and we're fed all of these ideas, that's what we go looking for. Yeah. And narcissistic men go looking for women that are looking for that. They will go looking for women and I don't know how they find them, honestly. It must be instinct in some respect, but there's an element of um, coach, um, not coaching, what's the word, Um, grooming as well. Mm. Um, Listen, you've mentioned a couple of times about younger women and I just wanted to caveat that for our audience to say, like, you can be incredibly smart, incredibly accomplished, uh, incredibly mature and still find yourself in a situation where you're being yes. manipulated or you're being you're in a situation and of You violence. can be any age. Like I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. just say younger women because that's not fair. You can be any age. I know of 60-year-old women that are in abusive relationships that's and right. don't want to yeah. leave. That's right. Um, it and happens. it does not make you any less strong or fabulous mm-hmm. than the next person. And that's that's one of the things I think... I see having to unpick a little bit with um, survivors of a domestic violence situation, which is trying to not identify as weak. Right? That's, yep. It's really important to acknowledge well, this isn't about you. It's about what this person was doing. Society has fed us, and this is a big, bold statement, I know, but society in some ways has fed us this lie that, it's weak in some ways to speak up. You know, you had to be silent. And that is past generations. You know, Mm -hmm. past generations, it was all what happens behind closed doors stays there. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we're reaching generations where it's like, um, no, it's time to bring it all out into the light and it's time to say enough is enough. I will not be treated like this. The way you are treating me is not okay. And as a reminder too, I mean, I suppose for me, I say young woman all the time because I was a young woman when Mm -hmm. I met him. Um, and sorry, that's probably most what I identify with. I know women of all ages that are in domestic violence relationships and some of them are just too scared to leave because they think they're too old or they think they can't survive on their own because they're over the age of 60 or 50 or 40 or whatever their reasoning is. Yeah. Or the coercive control has become yeah. so much that they can't imagine anymore yeah. um, being able to have their and own control. I just want to say that's normal. It is normal yeah. for you to think about leaving and it is normal for you to feel like that is just a big, blank, empty space in your mind and you cannot imagine what the reality of that will actually look like. But that's because you can't see mm-hmm. the reality until you actually take that step. That's right. And one of the strongest, most brave, most willing, most vulnerable things you will ever do is leave. The second hardest thing will be to stay gone mm-hmm. and the third hardest thing will be to do the work to get over it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is you also never get over it. There's no magic pill to follow. There's no magic formula to follow. Um, it is all about 
being willing to let go of the things that don't serve you and to embrace the things that are going to make you a better person and a stronger, like stronger feeling person and to make you feel like you are capable and that you are trustworthy and you can trust yourself and you can trust other people. Yeah. Yeah. And you say there's no magic pill and that the work continues. I fundamentally agree that it does. Yep. But it also gets to the point where you don't even notice you you've done no. the work. Like it's no. it's there becomes a point that you've filled the corners of that empty canvas and it's actually gorgeous. And you yes. don't even realize that the work that you've done. So no. I kind of want to give habit. Yeah, I want to give some hope here, which is that yeah. this stuff will not occupy your mind forever. Yeah. Absolutely not. And and there'll be many, many days where it doesn't even occur to you that, that yeah. you were in that situation because you'll do the work to create a beautiful life that has nothing right. to do with that situation. No, um, and the thing is, like, we think that it'll be hard all the time forever no, and it's not. It's the no. first step that's hard and the second step. And probably the 10 to 20 or 30 after that. And the more you start to do it and the more you start to care about yourself and the more you start to see yourself in a different light and the more you start to think about I am a person on my own who is worthy Mm. and who deserves to be loved exactly as I am and who is capable of doing all of these things that this person told me I wasn't capable of doing, the more you start to see yourself as all of the things that somebody told you you couldn't be, mm-hmm. the more you'll start to step into that faster and faster. And it's faster like exercising a muscle, isn't it? It's yes. Like, I, I am actually a brave person. Let me try right. something new that's brave. Oh, oh, wow. I, You know, you, you exercise that muscle and it becomes easier and easier. Yes. Um, I was just thinking about um, anyone who's in a situation Maybe that's maybe it's not the right. I was thinking about who's listening. What these messages? My message is essentially: if someone shows you who they are, believe mm-hmm. them. And it's so interesting that we choose not to. You know, you mentioned earlier about we want to believe that they are the person we thought they were capable of being. And it's funny mm-hmm. how long it takes for us to choose to hold on to that narrative and not just see what we're seeing in front of us wait a minute this person's behaving in such a way that makes me think they are a horrible person Uh why does it take so long for us to believe that like why does it take so long for us to know that to be true why don't we believe them when they show us what do you think because we have hope Mm -hmm. we want to believe that when they say they'll change, they'll actually follow through. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people that say people can't change. And I want to preface this by saying people can change, but only if they genuinely desire to. And someone who is abusing you and getting away with it and treating you like crap and getting away with it and they can apologise and do it again and get away with it doesn't want to change. I'd add that they need to genuinely want to change and the conditions need to be set so that they can. 
Yeah. And I'm not just talking about domestic violence here. I'm talking about any kind of behavioral change. If you choose, like, I really, really, really don't want to be drinking anymore, and yet you keep having a fridge that's stocked with beer, you, yeah. you haven't got the conditions to help you get there. Yeah. And and one of those things about leaving your situation is breaking those conditions. There is a chance yes. that this person won't be violent in the next relationship if the conditions aren't set that they're able to be. Like, I don't, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's hard because you can't see the future. And, look, no. the truth is that sometimes two people just don't work together well. That's right. And it's not the fault of either person. It is just that you don't bring out the best in each other. You don't bring out the good side of each other often enough for you to see the good. You bring out too much of the the darky, shadowy side of each other. Well, you and can so- lack maturity to be able to deal with really yep. hard stuff yep. and, you know, becoming quite physically, uh, you know, angry instead of understanding how to deal with those emotions, yep. of course. And and the thing is that you can't fix that for someone else. You can fix that no, for you. Absolutely. You, you, you can't, can't fix that for someone else. That's right. Um, and when you get to a point where you just know you've given everything and you just know that there's no there's no more left in your tank to give mm-hmm. and you just know that no matter what the conditions you create are and the environment you create even within yourself, even if you're doing personal development work already. It's not about it's, Absolutely. It's not working. No. It's okay. It's okay to walk out the door and it's okay to say that nothing I tried made a difference. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they won't go on their own um, healing kind of journey afterwards, but maybe you can't do it together. And I think that's what I mean about those uh, changing the conditions. Yeah. You're not there. This person can't behave that way anymore. There is a better chance of them doing their own work to be able to evolve and heal and change. But creating this situation where, yeah, you're bringing out the worst in each other and staying in a situation that is untenable is not the answer. No. How about um, modelling unhealthy relationships for our children and that being a very good reason to get the fluff out? (laughs) You know, the funniest thing is that... I thought, okay, we talked about separating and I was like, yes, I want a separation. And I think he knew that was coming and I expected that separation to involve him moving out of the family home. I honestly did and it didn't. (laughs) And I, I kept thinking if I can just like, if we can just have a few good conversations, you know, maybe we could find some way to make this work. And I didn't realise until after I left how much I was actually hurting my kids by staying Mm. in that house. Yeah. They were hurting more while being there than they were when I left. Like they were still hurting when we left, but they had safe spaces to express that hurt Mm. instead of bottling it up. And they had the ability to actually talk about things that were on their mind and their heart instead of holding on to it because they had safe space and we think sometimes staying is the best thing you can do for your kids 
but it's not because showing them dysfunction doesn't help them grow up and have a healthy, happy relationship later. No, I mean, it, it can grow into the relationships that have been modelled for us. That's right. And, and look, there, there are definitely people that will grow up and they will make a decision that they are not going to go through what they witnessed and they do it and they follow through on it, but they're the 1%. <laughs> Well, they're also the ones that might have had it modelled to them in other homes, like in, in yes. other ways, right? You, yes. you need to be able to see something to make it happen for yourself. Yeah, so, um, yeah they, they could have been like comparing what they wanted to an aunt and uncle's relationship exactly. or the relationship that, um, you know, a cousin has or whatever and going, that's the kind of relationship I want. Um, I was lucky. My daughter from the very beginning said to me like, you're only getting, like, I would say, oh, you know, what if one day I find a boyfriend again? And she'd say to me, only if he's nice to you. Yeah. Only if he treats you good. Only if he looks after you and he appreciates you. And she was 12 and she knew. Yeah. Um, and my son, my my middle child, he was the same. My younger child was an angry ball of five-year-old energy because he couldn't understand what was going on and he couldn't understand why mum and dad weren't together anymore and so that took a lot of work as well to help him navigate his way through letting go of that anger mm -hmm. um, and to help him find his way through releasing that in healthy ways I'd and like I'd to just, ask a little bit more about yeah the safe space for the kids. Yeah. So you mentioned that they were able to express themselves and their dissatisfaction of the relationship you'd been in once they were in a safer space oh, with you. Yeah. How long, knowing that they were at three different ages at the time, how long did it take each of them to trust that it was a safe space, that they had the ability to share with you how they were feeling? My older two, it didn't take as long. Um, it probably took them kind of six months um, to really start to decompress. <laughs> My younger one, that was because he was so young and because they don't process big emotions very well at that age, it probably really took him nearly two years to actually kind of for us to actually work through that to the point where I put him into counselling. He was working through it with a counsellor so that he didn't have to rely on me for that safe space and all three kids did go through counselling at one point um, because I wanted them to know because sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger sure. than it is yeah. to talk to a parent and they in some ways wanted to protect me from the hurt that they had experienced on my behalf and on their behalf. They mm -hmm. didn't want to upset me by talking about the things that they'd heard or the things that they'd seen. Mm -hmm. And I, it took a lot of reassurance to get through to them that I'd heard and seen it too and it was okay to talk to me about it because I understood what it was like. Mm, interesting. But it's, it's, it's still a process for them, you know, like you leave and you think it's going to be just worrying about you but then you realise how much they heard and how much they saw and how much they picked up on. And all of the times that they laid awake in the middle of the night hearing what was going on and, and knowing, and you think, oh, wow, okay, mm. Mm. I didn't realise that you had experienced that quite so hard. 
and it just breaks your heart for your kids, honestly. Yeah, it does. One of the things that I talk to my clients about is sometimes we can't stop our children from experiencing painful experiences. Obviously, we'll do whatever we can to protect them. Again, if you're in a domestic violence situation, get the fluff out as quickly as possible, protect your children. But we can't stop them. We can't, you know, wrap them in cushions and make sure that they don't hear bad words at school or, right, there Mm -hmm. are going to be awful experiences for them regardless of how happy their home life is. We cannot stop all of those experiences. What we can do as supportive families and beautiful mothers is to be the safe space that they need when they're processing some of that. So, you know, my children thankfully have not, that's not even true, I'm not even going to say that. Okay, a lot of children will not have experienced um, too much ugliness and still will have to um process and know that they've got a safe person to talk to and we can create that safe environment at home with them you know just making sure that they know that they can use their language that they're welcome to talk to us anytime yeah and and change the way you speak in some respects watch start to watch the way you talk about yourself start to watch the way that you talk about situations in life so if you if something happens and you're like oh my god again why Mm. You know, start to think, okay, is this the best language I can be using? Like, yes, it takes time to get that thought process going and to actually assess that, but start to think about, "Mm, am I using the right words? Am I using empowering words? Am I using words that defeat me? Am I feeding into my kids words that are defeating or am I feeding into my kids words that are empowering? Am I telling them about how they can overcome something and showing them how they can overcome something? Because don't forget they use you as a model Mm -hmm. for the way they think, for the way they speak, for the way they act. Um, And so one of the greatest things I did was actually start to look at my own internal sort of compass and say, am I calm? Am I peaceful? Am I a safe space? Am I expressing to my kids that I'm a safe space? Am I talking about safety and security and um, trust and am I building that within myself so that I can build that within them? And language is the single greatest empowering tool you have. Absolutely. How you speak about any situation helps you see it differently, helps you feel differently about it. And Mm -hmm. it does the same for your kids. When you feed their minds with good things, good things come out of them. Let me use that then as a nice bridge to this question I had for you, which was around what foundational work would you suggest that women can do in order to prepare themselves for this beautiful possibility of life post, you know, leaving um, a domestic violence situation? The first thing I really feel like you have to work on is developing a sense of safety within yourself. Yeah. Um, what does that look like, Holly? That looks like being the safe space for you to actually confront some of the things that you went through. Yes, outwardly, environmentally, of course, you want to make sure your home that you move into or wherever you are is as safe as you can make it for you and your children. 
so that you are as protected as you can possibly be. And I 100% support that. But don't forget that safety is also a feeling. Mm -hmm. Safety is something you create within yourself. So start to think about what makes me feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yes, bars on the windows and locks on the door will help with that. But sometimes the biggest thing that will make you feel safe is accepting you, accepting how you feel, accepting that you can't control everything, but you can control what goes on in here. You can control what goes on in your mind. You can control what goes on in your body. So start to do some body work even about safety and around safety. Um, Gosh, trying to think of how to put this in terms that make sense to people because when you say that safety is a feeling, people go, no, it's not. No, I totally get it. I mean, it could be really unusual things like uh, not hoarding exactly, but knowing that you've got two loaves of bread in the freezer, Mm -hmm. right, makes you feel safe because we're not going to run out of food anytime soon. Or having, you know, two, like a packet of of toothbrushes in the bathroom because you know that you don't have to rush to strange examples I get that but feeling safe means something different to all of us and some people grew up in a space of lack where they didn't know where their next meal was coming from so having two loaves of bread in the freezer satisfies that small panicked child which is I don't know where my next meal is we're safe we're we're safe there's food you know what safety for some women will look like having a few hundred dollars stashed under the mattress or in an envelope or in a container somewhere or having four friends numbers that you know you can call day or night have on speed dial you're just feeling yeah if you're feeling like crap yeah yep um these are little things that we don't think about that help us feel safe within ourselves Mm -hmm. you know for me, it was things like salt lamps and having crystals around and friends to talk to and meeting new people and learning to be safe in situations around new people. So, you know, yeah. meeting people in open spaces and, yeah, beautiful. you know, safety starts within you. We- I've been thinking of, I remember one guest telling us about this beautiful technique of just holding yourself, actually just putting your like hands down your hugging yourself yeah yeah and that movement of self-soothing and teaching your children that too because you mentioned body work and we're talking about safety that's that's quite a lovely nurturing um yes gesture another one I find which calms down your amygdala when you want to get, like get into that fight or flight mode is that superman pose you know where you put your shoulders Uh really strong chest out hands on hips that superman pose makes you feel stronger it teaches your brain you're not in any kind of fight or flight mode you're comfortable you calm your breathing down um yeah there's some beautiful techniques on creating using your body to create different feelings i love that and don't forget there's there's thousands of videos on youtube that are healing frequencies that help create safety and another thing to think about with that feeling of safety is your sleep Mm -hmm. when when I left my my sleep cycle was really broken and I would find that I'd wake up 
in not quite a sweat but in like a bit of a panic because I didn't feel safe to sleep in a house that he couldn't get to in my own bed. Um, And that was just the trauma replaying out and replaying out and I had to work on settling my body at nighttime and creating a bedtime routine so that I could sleep a little better. Um, So don't underestimate the effects of getting a good night's sleep. And yes, it might take time depending on kind of where your body is at when you leave, but it's so worth it. Yeah. So I've taken a couple of things away from this um, about the, the, my question being what's kind of foundational work that women can can do in order to begin their own journey uh, from the trauma of domestic violence. And we were talking there about the focus on developing a sense of safety for yourself, understanding when you feel safe and finding techniques in order to um, embed that, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. um, body work. We mentioned a priority of sleep. You mentioned um, frequencies and I've kind of noted down affirmations here as well because yes. we were talking about the power of words. And language, um, so I yes. think there's some great advice in that around. You know, if you are running through your day and all of you are repeating in your head is I am safe, I am safe, I am mm-hmm. safe all day long eventually you start to believe that Mm -hmm. will it take time yes will you always remember to do it no Mm -hmm. (laughs) but eventually that feeling will start to sink within you and you'll start to go oh I actually feel safe yeah beautiful I feel safe to be myself I feel safe in my home I feel safe talking to my friends I feel safe interacting with my family I feel like it's safe to talk to my kids about things that are going on yeah. Um, don't underestimate that feeling of safety. That's really the biggest foundation you will build that will then help with the stepping stones of everything else. Beautiful. So, Holly, I'm going to put in the show notes, obviously, on how people can reach you um, yeah. for coaching. Just to clarify, do you work with people who are setting up a plan to leave their domestic violence situation or after they've safely established themselves outside of that? once they've established themselves outside of that and they they kind of feel yeah when they kind of feel like they're back on their feet and they have that bit of security beautiful um and they're ready to look for more okay i'm there (laughs) and what does coaching look like with you um you have coaching packages it's all one-on-one yes Yes, it is yes um i will be developing um sort of group work later on down the track but for now like one-on-one work is just such a it can become such a safe space all by itself to get things out without fear of judgment there's not anyone else to listen in except the one person that you're working with and it gives you that room to kind of acknowledge some things without going into depth or being really hard on yourself um I feel like, you know, sometimes one-to-one coaching can be a lot less intimidating than sure. being in a yeah. in a group. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Holly. Is there any anything you'd like to wrap up? Oh, so many thoughts run through the line. Um, Sorry. I will just say quickly, you know, don't feel like your journey has to match my journey. Your journey will look different 
Absolutely. the things that you've been through will will look different, but that doesn't mean that there's not something there to learn. Um, and that doesn't mean that there's not a tool that I know about that couldn't help you. Um, and these are things that you don't know until you try. So be willing to try, be willing to be open to exploring and be willing to just Beautiful. give yourself that space. Yeah. Thanks so much, Holly. Thanks for being Thank here to share you. all your advice. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.